Welcome to the Honest Nerd Podcast. My name is Philip Castrain, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Dan Byers. How are you, Dan? Hey, Phil. I'm good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. A little bit snowed in, but pretty good. And today's podcast, we have speaker James Thompson. Hello, James. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. We're delighted to have you. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Yeah, um, so I'm probably most well-known at the moment for the iOS and Mac calculator PCalc um, and for doing silly things in the About screen of it and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I, I've had a, a sort of a long history with uh, the Mac and uh, Apple stuff in generally, and I worked for Apple for a, a while in the late 90s. In Ireland, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I, I was I was based in Cork there and traveled over to the US a lot. Um, and I also uh, did a launcher called uh, Drag Thing back in the 90s, which is sort of currently clinging on uh, to life at the moment. Um, and yeah, I think that that's probably the best thing I'm known for, although I do podcasts and turn up on as a tech pundit every now and again. And where's your home base right now? I'm in Glasgow in Scotland uh, and looking out and it's actually nice and sunny outside, uh, which is unusual. Ah, very good. Yeah, get out there. (laughs) Take advantage of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why are we doing the podcast? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Very good. So uh, you're, if we can back up a little bit, what, what, uh, what was your starting factors there to get into tech? Um, when I started out, and I mean, like I, I should point out that I'm 46. So, um, when I was start, when I was starting out, it was like compute, personal computers were just starting to appear in the sort of early to mid eighties. So I, I instinctively knew that's what I wanted to get into. And I, uh, got a Commodore 64 and I think it was 83 and I, I, you know, mess around with that. And I did some, some programming, basic programming in both sense of the word. Um, and we did some programming at school as well. Um, we had a, a BBC model B computer and it, our school was the first school in Scotland to get a computer like at all. And so they, they went around the classrooms when this thing was delivered and they basically said to the pupils, We've got this thing called a computer. Does anyone know what to do with it? <laughs> and so there was four of us who had home computers at that point in, in the entire school, I think. And we ended up um, having our own office where we looked after this computer and we taught the teachers how to use it during the day. And we taught the younger kids how to use it in little mini classes before school. And that was kind of my introduction to computers uh and programming them and doing stuff like that when you say commodore 64 i think of i had one as well but it's an american computer because uh, commodore was american and I, bbc one i can totally bbc micro totally see but nothing about the zx sinclair no i was never a, a sinclair person you know i had friends who had spectrums um but there was very much the playground rivalry at school. It was the oh, people yeah. who had people who had the Commodores versus the people who had the Spectrums, and then there was the odd sort of rich kid that had a BBC or had something else weird and had made bad decisions. It's the it's the, <laughs> it's the VI versus Emacs of back in the day. Yeah, yeah, very much. I mean, we we sort of sent, tend to sort of split into these 
two groups, whatever the, the, the subject area is. And it, yeah, it was very much Spectrum versus Commodore. Commodore, of course, had, you know, much better sound chip and graphics and things like that. Um, and so the games were better. And that's really all I cared about at that point in time. And in which year did you start off with Apple? Um, Apple. So after the the Commodore, I got an Atari STE. And I got that pr- primarily because it had MIDI ports on the side. And I fancied myself something of a musician. So I'd got a bunch of synthesizers, which I connect to that. And awesome. play- played around with sweet sequencer apps and things on the, on the ST. And... It was as I went into university in 1990, the the university used Macs. Uh, this was my computing science degree. And using the Macs, it became apparent that the user interface on the ST was just basically a, a poor, blatant ripoff of the Mac. And like I'd come across the original and I was like, oh, wait, this is actually really good. So I sold my ST and indeed all my synthesizers at that point, and uh, I bought my first Mac, which was a Mac Classic. Wow. And uh, so you started hacking away on that? Yeah, I mean, we were, you know, we were doing programming stuff as part of the course, and we were using, at that point, it was initially Turbo Pascal and then Think Pascal, and Think Pascal came with, like, all the libraries for writing a full Mac app. So I was just sort of messing around with it at that point. And because we'd done some stuff on the course with using quick draw calls, you know, to just like, you know, draw a circle and draw this. And um, and I realized, no, wait, this, the whole stuff is here. You know, I could just learn how to program an app. And uh, so I went and I bought at great expense the Inside Macintosh books one to three. Um, and I just sat down with them and just sort of, battered away on stuff and uh yeah the first thing of, that i wrote and first application i ever wrote was peacock so so was the you know thinking back then was the apple platform the predominant one for that for the school that you're in like was it was everybody using yeah. mac yeah i mean it was like all the labs were macs apart from like i think it was the fourth year lab was all uh sun workstations um and a lot of the admin staff and teachers were using Macs. It's not quite the same in the department these days, but you know, back then there, there was Apple had a really healthy educational discount as well for students and for things. And it was I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it you know, let's say it was like fifty percent off. It was something really significant. And there was actually there was actually a little Apple store, like not not run by Apple, but a third party store that was in the school library. So they kind of had a target uh, audience, you know, so every time you went into the library, you walked past the little Apple store. Yeah, that helps. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, because I was using them and I wanted to be able to like do all the assignments and stuff from home and not have to sit in the labs all the time. uh, You know, it made sense for me to get a Mac and I was I was very much drawn in. We're about the same age, so I did the same thing, and I went one step further, which is I became an Apple student campus rep. So huh. I well, could get a computer for cheaper. Well, that, 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 that's always that always helps um, because I mean, like the cost of that Mac Classic, I got it like maxed out to four megabytes of RAM, and I think it was the forty meg. 40 meg hard disk i've got to get my you know units correct because my brain wants to say gig but i know it's not gig um and yeah it, it, 
the it didn't hurt getting the discount because it took it from you know somewhere between two and three thousand pounds or something down to under two but you know, it's still ridic- ridiculous price to pay well um, today max mac prices are not unridiculous as well if you look at them yeah yeah no i mean it's like especially in the uk our currency isn't doing particularly well at the moment so uh yeah things are oh, we're from canada we feel you <laughs> <laughs> yeah but at least you're one nation that's not actively trying to self-destruct currently oh. uh, <laughs> i wasn't sure if we were yeah, going to go there but okay no I, 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 i'm no. not gonna I, i'm not gonna go there but you know uh, we we all know what i'm talking about there are there are a lot of affinities between between scotland and quebec on a bunch of things regarding uh how we view ourselves inside of a bigger nation so I, yes i sympathize yes. yeah yeah. We both have blue and white flags. <laughs> true, true. I, I have never been to Canada, so I am actually looking forward very much to coming out and visiting and, and seeing if it is what I imagine in my head. Excellent. <laughs> it's not all beavers and maple syrup, but... But it's close. If you were to come today, you would find that out pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and igloos. What other stereotypes can we can we review here? Uh, you're all polite. Uh, that's That's the main one that I think of. Yeah, we're all a bunch of jackasses. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> no, plus you'll be coming to Quebec, which is which will give you a, a quite a different flavor from the rest of Canada. So that's kind of yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, they're really rude over there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I interrupted you there before. You said that you were working on your like, a couple apps while you were learning stuff uh, how to how to develop for the Mac platform. You you said that you wrote the initial pcalc back way back yeah. then. Yeah, I mean, it, it was released. The first release was ninety two, um, and that was uh, yeah. I mean, it was basically I wanted a small project to learn how to write an app, and I thought, oh, calculator, that's fairly simple. And I wanted something that would do, you know, the 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 kind of things that I might use on the course. So you know, like the hex and binary and stuff like that. And yeah, so it was pick pick something small, work on that. That will be a test project. And then I'll go on and I'll write lots of other things. And, you know, 20, 26 years later, uh, still going. Yeah. Uh, uh, ha- happy PCALC user here. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, good to hear. I think any any self-respecting iOS or Mac developer should have a copy of that PCALC app. Like, seriously. <laughs> well, I appreciate the advertising. <laughs> Did your work with PCalc help you get into Apple? Um, I think it was mainly DragThing, which was the the application doc that I wrote after PCalc. But most of the, I mean, like the readmes all said um, how I really wanted to work for Apple in them. So my hope was that people inside Apple would read that and reach out to me and say, hey, do you want a job? Which is, in fact, what happened. Um, But... It was because uh, I'd actually I'd applied to Apple in the UK and got a rejection letter back, which I still have. Um, but it was uh, because of drag thing, I think, that, that they had seen this, seen seen my work. And yeah, I went out and I was in Cork uh, for four years working on a variety of things. But it was drag thing that got me to work on the Apple dock, which was uh, an, a very interesting position to be in. Yeah, the so what was what was the key features that you're proud of from for drag thing? Like what what did you like to discuss on that one? Um, I I guess it was like 
uh, drag and drop was a new thing, like it was a new API. So I wanted to sort of use all the drag and drop features, which is why it ended up. The, the name was because there was a friend of mine who just said, basically, have you finished that drag thing yet? And I was like, oh, that's a good name. I'll call it that. Um, but it, it was, yeah, it was the drag and drop. And then the sort of, you know, writing. There was a lot of stuff where it was like I was writing things that you would have to do in the finder, you know, just, you know, simple things like drawing the icon and putting a title under it and having selection and, and all those things. And, um, and then I ended up doing that sort of same stuff work again when I was actually working on the finder. But, uh, it was, it it was writing a sort of system level type thing, which was fun at the time. So you moved back to Scotland. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, did you uh, did you look for another job or did you just uh, keep keep on uh, creating peacock versions? Well, it was like um, I'll not go into the full story of how I left Apple because that might come up in in my uh, talk. Um, and I don't want to blow all my good material or already. Well, that's not um, the purpose of this podcast, anyway. It's it's more about where where you've been and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, after I left Apple. Um, at that point, uh, revenue from DragThing was exceeding my Apple salary. Uh, so it was a case of, well, I'm, I'll just do this full time. And I, I like, you know, Scotland. That's where I'm from. I'm from Glasgow. So, you know, uh, myself and my wife, we moved back there. And, uh, you know, we, we actually ended up living five minutes away from the computing science department where I had got my degree and I'd worked. So I, it feels like I haven't actually gone very far. Um, but you know, I, I just work out of, uh, uh, an office in our flat and that's where I'm sitting right now. Awesome. Awesome. And, and so PCALC is hundred percent of your time right now. Yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, in terms of, uh, business and code, yeah, that's definitely hundred percent of my time. I mean, I'm doing a lot more podcasts and things these days, um, you know, mostly it's just for fun. I mean, I'm not doing, I don't have my own podcast and I don't intend to have one because they're a lot of work. Um, but I like being able to sort of guest on things and drop in and, you know, being a sort of tech pundit as well is fun on, on some of these things, you know, bringing whatever developer perspective I, I have. It's quite different. It's quite different from blogging because you could have done blogging as well and being a yeah, you know, and, and kind I, of journalism, right? Yeah. And I mean, I've done, you know, I've done a little bit of that sort of stuff, you know, like I, I wrote uh, a story a while back for iMore and, and things like that, just, you know, little things. And I know I could do that if I wanted to, but um, I think concentrating on the code side of things and, and things is more efficient in terms of actually making a living. Uh, but I, I like to have my hand in a lot of different things. And you know, I do uh, uh, a bunch of sort of pop culture podcasts as well. Uh, there's a network called The Incomparable, uh, which I would urge people to seek out. And that's just, you know, a bunch of people that we all know each other. Quite a few from the, the sort of Mac and tech side of things, but just talking about pop culture. Yeah. So what would you say is the next big thing that you're going to be focusing on? Like, if you're able to share something like that, like what's what's on your radar next uh, th so my year usually has a certain um, shape to it. So like from June onwards, you know, we've got WWDC and you find out all the new things and it's like, what is Apple's feature of the year? You know, the thing that you actually have to 
pay attention to. So like it was shortcuts this year and there was like AR stuff in previous years and whatever. I think for this year coming, it's going to be all the Marzipan stuff and what's happening with Mac apps. And, you know, am I going to take the iOS version of PCALC and port that over to the Mac and have one thing that runs on both? And I don't know the answer to that yet. Um, at this t- and then, you know, you have all the big releases and the phones and then iPads come out and that takes me up to sort of September, November. And then I have a rest and like I have a month off or, or whatever. And then from January through to, uh, you know, May or whatever, that's when I'm sort of trying to do low level maintenance, you know, work on things that I want to do, you know, features that I want to add. And, and I've been looking at a bunch of st- stuff kind of in the making pcalc more towards the calculator construction kit and allowing you to build more complex layouts so like you could so you could do a layout that was say a tip calculator or something you know where you could have multiple inputs of numbers of people and things like that and see it all on one thing and have different readouts and that's kind of where i'm working on stuff at the moment um but it's there's a lot of very low level stuff like there's some code in pcout which is the same code effectively from 26 years ago <laughs> and th- there's i i want to replace bits of it and i work towards that and every you know every year i replace like another chunk of that code but there's still things lurking in there that it's like oh i really want to you know get this bit of you know change this thing but i'm limited to like a you know, like a a sixteen character string at one crucial point in this bit of code, and it's like, okay, well, I need to change that. But to change that, I need to change, you know, like a hundred other things. And so, so when you do that, and Pcat being twenty six years old, uh, do you have like a unit test harness for the stuff that you're doing, so that you can change that with confidence? I do have I do have some some tests. I don't have as many tests as I would like. That is definitely something, you know, that that's one of those January projects that's on on the 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 list of things to do is to write more of that stuff. Um I mean, the a lot of the the low-level code, you know, I know what it does and and it's fairly stable. It's the stuff one layer above that. It's the things, you know, relating to the how stuff is displayed and um, like I have a routine which basically gets a, a data structure back which is what should be on the display and that used to be very much a kind of you know imagine a virtual LCD where you're lighting up various bits of the of the screen and that data structure has become a more flexible thing now and that's it, it's I did not write it 26 years ago with the intention that that code would still be going now and I would be maintaining it. Um, so you said it, basically you wrote code that lights up like seven segment LCDs or something like that, right? That that's, that was originally how it worked, yeah. Yeah, like seven, seven LEDs, sorry, that's what that's what I meant. And nowadays you would just use a font to do that, right? So Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, for the longest time, there were sort of built-in, you know, hard-coded bitmaps for all for all the, the digits. And yeah, now it's all fonts and, um, you know, Unicode and, and whatever. But it, there's still some of that code in the middle between the layers there's like mm, well at this point it gets passed as a, as a as a fixed array of of characters and it's like mm, need to fix that uh 
But, I mean, the other thing that worries me is some of the routine names and variable names are exactly the same as they were 26 years ago. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Well, this is true. And it's like, I, it's more fun to build stuff around it as well, you know. So there's there's all these different layers uh, of code. It's like archaeology. The further down you go, you know, you're into sort of prehistoric stuff. On iOS, we tend to drop version support for OS versions fairly quickly. But do you do the same on macOS, given that you have the same app on both? Um, I, I drop. I try to keep like on the Mac. It's actually the the. It goes back to ten eight or something, just because I haven't had a good reason to drop it. And if I add new features, they're just those features aren't available on earlier systems. On iOS, I tend to be more uh, uh, draconian about it, and it's usually two years back um i you know it, it it's like when apple introduces some fabulous new feature i think oh that's great i'll be able to use that two years from now that's a very common sentiment yeah um but you know it it's i can see some of some of the stats of uh what oss people are using things on so i know that you know well the percentage of people that are using you know a three year ago ios thing is quite small the other thing is I tend to, if there's a device or, or if like an OS release is going to drop like a whole bunch of devices, like when they dropped all the pre 64 bit devices or something, I might keep a version that hangs around a bit longer because I know some people might hang on to their phones a bit longer. Have you, and I know your hands are very full with the various platforms and environments you support with Peacock, but have you ever thought about Android support? Uh, people ask me that every now and again, and uh, my understanding is if I was doing stuff on Android, it's like mostly Java, and I don't think that even my low-level code would port over particularly cleanly, so I'd really be starting again from scratch. And I don't have the knowledge of Android at all. I don't have any great desire to work on Android. And also, talking to people I know that have their apps on both it's a lot harder to sell a paid product on android um so um in terms of you know making enough money to live it seems to be the sensible thing to do is to focus my energies on apple platforms because it's what i know best and it's um you know yes half or more of the population out there might not be buying peacock but you know, there's Apple has whatever five hundred million a billion devices uh, out there. If I can just keep selling to those people, I think I can keep going. Exactly. You, you mentioned paid. You mentioned paid apps, but uh, the fact that paid apps are kind of going away now because it's all subscri- subscriptions now. Yeah, I mean, like from a developer perspective, I see why subscriptions are good. You know, in terms of it would be nice to have recurring stable income on things but from a user point of view i hate subscriptions you know i've got uh i've got uh, i pay for uh photoshop creative cloud you know all that sort of stuff and i you know i like photoshop and but i still resent the fact that you know i'm previously i would have some version of photoshop and i might keep it for a couple of years and not upgrade it because i didn't need to and i just keep using that but now i don't have a choice and you know, I don't want my users to resent me, which I think is what might happen with subscriptions. Um, I think it's also very hard to justify subscriptions for utility apps, you know, especially ones that don't have uh, internet component to them. 
you know, if I had some vast server backend and was doing whatever syncing sharing type stuff, maybe. But f- I think it's a, I think it's a hard sell. And I know Apple wants people to move to subscriptions, but for something like PCALC, it, it just doesn't seem to be a good fit. And I've tried, you know, like there's PCALC Lite, which has the in-app purchases. And my idea with that was, you know, people could buy the app piecemeal. And it's like, well, if you only just want this bit, you know, just buy that. And like more than 80% of people just buy the app, app outright. And uh, that doesn't seem to be a way that people want to consume the app. So I'm going to keep selling it and I'm going to keep selling it at $10 as long as I can. It's it's worked for like a 10, 11 years. So <laughs> why stop? Well, it's, I mean, it's a little bit it, like if, Canary Nicole mine, like the, to use an, an app like that, that's by, by iOS standards, fairly expensive. Yeah, I mean, it's, but I think the people who are actually in the market for that and, and would use an app like Peacock every day, you know, $10 is nothing. Um, I mean, it's not nothing, obviously, but you know what I mean? It's like, if if it, if it's a tool that you use, then uh, people are, are quite prepared to pay that. And it also... I think it gives a sort of premium feel to the app in a certain way. Yes. You know, uh, which I, I think if I was charging 99 cents, I would, you know, people say, oh, you charge 99 cents and you make it up in volume. But I absolutely wouldn't. You know, I think there would be about the same amount of sales that there are now. Um, and uh, I would just make less revenue. And, and this way I have a sustainable product that is keeping me going. So I'm going to keep enhancing it. Yeah, yeah. So when you're not hacking away on the calculator app and or doing podcasts, what do you like to do in your spare time for fun? Um, I guess my two sort of main hobbies would be video games, which is a fairly obvious one, um, and going to the cinema. You know, I like I like f- uh, film, and uh, those are sort of two things that I would spend my time on. I mean, I still do a bit of music. Um, these days, uh, I'm still terrible at it, but uh, things like that. You play guitar? I do play guitar very badly. I mean, like, literally, I haven't picked up my guitar in about 30 years. Uh, my guitar is currently sitting in my parents' attic. Um, I say it's like, you know, a sort of a portrait of Dorian Gray type situation that is keeping me young. Um, but... Uh, I actually, my bass guitar, uh, there's a, a daughter of a friend who wanted to learn a bass guitar and she took my bass guitar off me um, a few weeks back. And so that was the first time I'd touched that bass guitar and also in about 30 years. Um, yeah, I know, uh, I'm about to start playing Dungeons and Dragons again for the first time in a similar amount of time uh, uh, for a podcast series, which should be entertaining. Wow. So so you Hopefully. discussed the, the, the gameplay during the podcast? Right. That's probably total party kill, right? Uh, it, I couldn't possibly comment if it is a spinoff of Total Party Kill called Total Party Kill UK. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that that's we're in setup for that right now. And uh, so there's like lots of working out characters and there's a lot of people. I mean, I've forgotten everything about Dungeons and Dragons. It's like it's literally a lifetime ago that I was playing that stuff. Uh but I am keen to get back into it and see see what that's like and see if we can 
see if it's as entertaining as I remember it. It's all about the dungeon master, so. Yeah, and and we've got a good one, so. That's awesome. Thank you very much, James, for joining us today. Oh, it's been a pleasure, and I I look forward to uh, meeting you all in person, and it's not that far away from now. Um, (laughs) No, it's coming up quick. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to say, and I better start getting writing my talk, because, uh, you know, I'm a super prepared person. But, you know, it's, yeah, oh, okay. Uh, Keep an eye on the clock. (laughs) Plenty of time for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we 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 know that it's that it's your busy period, so you'll be you'll be able to sp- spend some cycles thinking about it. You're not off, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I I've got a bunch of ideas of things, and you know, I think my talk is going to be nothing particularly technical, but hopefully entertaining and just sort of backstory on things, and we shall see. Excellent. Perfect. Well, if you want to hear that talk and many more, uh, join us at NS North 2019, April 26th to the 28th in beautiful Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Uh, tickets are available. Just go to tickets.nsnorth.ca and our website, of course, nsnorth.ca for more info. Thanks again, James. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I'll see you all soon. And thanks, Dan. Thanks, man. Take care, James. Thank you so much.